Certainly love a good news story. That was fantastic, wasn't it? Bless you, Kaylee, and I'll be here tonight. <laughs> Make sure that I am. You up for another good news story? Did you notice the sign when you came in? We've got Brian Graffin to thank for that. And uh, our fantastic management team who just go about uh, in the background all the time doing wonderful things for us. So I uh, wonder if you could just acknowledge that. <laughs> Encouragement to, you know, the little things through the week. We've got groundsmen that come. There's people here all the time. Uh, we just don't see people on Sundays. It's wonderful to be part of a church that's alive and doing ministry. You know, back in uh, December, our giving was a little less than what we would have hoped for. In fact, it was um, significantly less and, and we were thinking, my goodness, you know, but it's holidays, it's December. Here's a good news story. January, not so. January, our giving was above our average giving. Praise God, yeah? So we acknowledge the goodness of God. Can I lead you in prayer with that? Father, we just want to say we thank you so much for all the things that you do for us. We acknowledge that you are the giver, that you give us life. As Kaylee has said, sometimes it's really hard for us to acknowledge and sometimes our, our lives are so full and so busy or so distracted that we don't see you and then we wake up and we see that the light of day has appeared and you are God even when we don't recognize it and so we acknowledge not only that you are God but in this place you are Lord you are the son of God you are the Lord of Lords Lord Jesus you are the wonderful counselor you bring us life you bring us joy may we live with that knowledge and impart that to others thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is our new series title, Story of Fulfillment. Let's make a start in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let the uh, earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. I want to say to you that that's an accurate description of the beginnings of our world. That's God in action from the beginning. This series will link the very intentional beginning of God's relational connection for us to his ultimate plan to restore perfection to the world. And he has a timely and perfect way that Jesus plays the most important part in God's overall plan. Beginning can be daunting yet an exciting time. You know, the idea of beginning reveals a start, the beginning of a meal. I've had so many of those that are so good. Uh, a first date, new year, job, the beginning of new life, 
the miracle of life. And for the beginning of Scripture, Luther is quoted as saying, there is nothing more beautiful than the book of Genesis, nothing more useful, and he regarded the opening verses as, this is certainly the foundation of the whole of Scripture. And that understanding is what is going to colour our thinking over the next number of months, weeks, a couple of months probably. I'm very aware that not everybody is so excited about these opening words of the Bible. Let me tell you, I am aware. In fact, it's the topic of fracture and aggressive debate amongst theologians. However, my thoughts around this is that we as Christians can agree that God was intentional in creation. If we can kind of settle there, then I'm very, very relaxed. I went to Queensland Baptist Theological College or uh, Baptist Theological College of Queensland, BDCQ. It was known as that many years ago. They call it Malian these days. And six days of creation is what was taught. I grew up with it. I went to Bible college and I was taught it. It was confirmed and reconfirmed in my heart. There was an emphasis on Yom in the original narrative language of Hebrew. It means a 24-hour period and so six by 24-hour periods and then a rest day. I, I was taught that. However, as I got into ministry life, I met a lot of people who had a different understanding of it. And uh, they still believe God created, but maybe over millions of years. That unsettled me a little bit initially, but then I came to realise if that becomes a blockage to me having fellowship with those people, then the problem is with me, not with God, and maybe with them, but maybe not with them. And so I'm not going to stand here and proclaim that God created in six 24 hours. You just heard me do it though, didn't you? Because that's not the important part. The important part is God created with intentionality and that's where we'll really get bogged down today because if we don't start there in foundation of scripture in the reality that God is creator and created for purpose, we're going to miss maybe everything else in the scripture but certainly some bits. I'm aware that there's a lot of different views and that's fine with me. I've found a way to get on very well with elders and colleagues in previous churches where we haven't been aligned. But I believe strongly that there are some non-negotiables like agreeing that God is creator and that he's made this world originally without sin and as a place where he can enjoy relationship with his people until Jesus returns. And we're going to see today that Jesus was part of God's plan and Jesus was in the focal decision-making process of the Godhead before creation. So as we launch into the series... 
A few non-negotiables I want to make clear. There are life group studies for everybody. If you're in a life group, then your life group leader already has those studies. There are some paper copies that you can pick up. Uh, if, there's, if we run out of paper copies this morning, please let us know. Uh, contact the office. So when we do the reprints, we actually make enough. If you uh, would like, uh, just contact us and we'll send you one online. Make it easy. The history of the beginning, if you like, of our world sets a pattern for how God interacts throughout the rest of Scripture. And I want us to see how these first verses really impact upon the rest of the Genesis story. First, through God's creation, we can understand who created in Genesis 1.1 because it sets out, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it was normal practice in ancient times to name a book by its opening word, which in the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrews did this, they gave a title to the first book of the Bible, Beresha, which means in the beginning. And when the Old Testament was translated into Greek about 250 years before Jesus, it became the Greek equivalent we now know as Genesis, meaning the beginning. It's both in Latin and English translations and adopted letter for letter. So it became Genesis as the first book of the Pentateuch. And it's just the best title, really, because this book gives us the Genesis or the beginning of the doctrine of God. It sits as a bookend to Revelation. And these two books envelop the story of God being known to us, the revelation of God. So the revelation of God doesn't start in the book of Revelation at the end, starts in the book of Genesis at the beginning and projects all the way through. The story of God and the story of God's fulfilment. God is the creator and this also reveals the doctrine of salvation has its genesis in the Garden of Eden. Genesis shows that God exists eternally and is self-existent. In Psalm 90 and verse 2, before mountains or anything, God is always God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were never created. In the beginning, God. So the concept of God is not a created concept because God pre-existed and continues to exist. He is God. So at the beginning of creation, we see that God was already there. And what we see here is the beginning of the universe as we know it in time and space. Kidner in his Tyndale commentary, says, God wanted his people to know about the origin of the world. Uh, Kidner says that the beginning is pregnant with the end. I kind of like that when I found that. The beginning is pregnant with the end, but therefore part of. And the whole process is about God, who is first and last. 
God in three persons. In other words, the Trinity. So not going into detail here, but you have heard the statement, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. The significance of this is that before there was a universe, there was already a wholeness and a completeness. And I believe that is extremely important. There's already a three-person relatedness predates Genesis, which made God totally self-sufficient, doesn't need us. So when it says God created, it expresses the unity and the plurality of God in the act of work in creating. Any suggestion that God needed the universe to be fulfilled or to get purpose or find companionship is total and utter nonsense because God pre-existed, didn't need creation to get fulfilled. But the design of creation provided for fulfilment for his creation. He wasn't less complete without humanity. If we believe that, we totally miss the point of the Trinity or, the, or we have a false understanding of the Trinity. Because love and balance and centeredness and wholeness and perfection pre-existed creation. God didn't need creation, he purposed it. And I think it's helpful to go back to a common statement that goes something like, God created for relationship. It's his intention. So we could ask the question, where did God create? And in Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the faces, uh, face of the waters. So when verse 2 describes the earth as without form and void, it means it's empty, right? It's empty. It literally means not finished in its shape and as yet uninhabited by creatures. There was nothing and then there was something, but it wasn't finished. So at this stage, unproductive, uh, uninhabited land. And it needs to be clarified, this darkness here isn't evil, not a description of evil. It relates to the being, the state of being, which is the stage of creation that's being described. It's still dark. It's related to the void. And God goes about filling the void as he goes into the next four days of his creative plan. So day one, which is focused on the five verses that we read at the start, and at the end of this day, we have the light and the water, and then day two, we get the separation of the waters, creating land and sea, and day three, we get plants, trees, fruit, vegetation, and day four, we get the universe, solar system, planets, the cycle of these to bring order to our calendar. We get the sun, the moon and the stars. And day five, we get fish, birds and sea creatures. And I feel like even in the way that the Genesis account is revealed, that God is delivering in his intentionality, this purpose in how the days are numbered and how the act of creation occurs and then his purpose is revealed 
Everything is put in place for the initiation of relationship. Earth first, right? And then the planets. It seems odd the way we teach and the way we've learned science. You know, we would think the planets are all there and the earth is thrust into, and then we have evolution that creates some kind of purpose for the use of the earth. What a lot of rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Go back into Genesis and you see the purpose of God. That it's all there before God reveals his purpose for relationship. Speaks of God's intentionality. So the solar systems serve God's purpose. Don't you love that? In simplicity, right? It's amazing because it's God-purposed. It's absolutely amazing. When we lived in Dolby, uh, a bit west, right? Uh, Not so many lights. Lots of lights in the sky, though. And when the kids were young, we'd lie on the trampoline out the back and look up into the sky and talk about God, but essentially admire the handiwork, right? Absolutely amazing, because it was dark enough to see the billions upon billions of stars in the sky, some brighter than others, maybe closer. And the simplicity of understanding, yes, God created, and yes, God created with intentionality, but how amazing is it? And that's why I can accept so much in my faith story personally of what God says when the Bible says that I believe it because I'm not smart enough to reinterpret the scripture. I'm actually not smart enough to have a better idea than the literal word of God. And so I just take it at face value. (laughs) Call me a dummy if you like, but it's got me through so far. And then the culmination. In verse 26, and God said, let us make man. And God created it all. Everything that ever existed and will ever exist owes its being to God. And the rest of Genesis chapter 1 is commentary on this simple statement of fact and in our small groups we'll just probably draw out a little more of the detail. The implications are clear. Whether or not we admit it, we're absolutely and completely fully dependent on God who created everything. So what does that mean? Well, as God creator and as God is sovereign Lord over his creation, if God is creator of all things, including me, then I am answerable and accountable to him. I owe him. And he doesn't owe me anything. He is sovereign and he has rights. And that means God sets the standards, not me. God determines right and wrong, not me. And herein lies a problem because the world does not want to be answerable or accountable to anyone or anything. And we have discussions every week about the fact that people want to usurp on other people and ultimately want to usurp on God. Like, number one, what serves my interests best? That's what I want to know. 
that's a reflection of the world, isn't it? And our thinking should come back and creation reminds us, you know what? Wow, opportunity to serve the Lord of Lords. Wow, opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord of Lords. Opportunity to have a relationship with the Creator. Wow. The privilege of knowing or being in Christ. Perspective, isn't it? Because you switch that light on and you see everything. Clarity comes in when we acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Since God is creator, he is the author of all truth. His words are eternal. So if you can't get past or have a strong understanding of Genesis chapter 1, then you're going to struggle with the rest of the Bible. That's just my belief. Because if you anchor yourself in the gospel without beginning then you anchor yourself in something that's just kind of hanging, right? Because what's the purpose? Oh, I'll tell you what the purpose is. God had intentionality and created to reveal Jesus. Amen? See it in balance. And that's where we're heading over these next seven, eight, ten weeks. God is sovereign. Exodus 3.14 I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Translators have had a difficult time translating this phrase, and I'm being honest about that, because it can be interpreted in the Hebrew in a few different ways, and that's emphatic. Literally, God is saying of himself or introducing himself and Here are some of those translations. I am the pre-existing one. I will be what I will be. And of course, the most common, I am that I am. Because God's name proclaims his existence. And I don't mind, actually, which one you want to take of those. You go, I am the pre-existing one. I will be that which I will be. Or I am that I am. I'm, I'm happy with any of those because I really think they still anchor us where we need to be. So God introduces him and says, I'm God. That's enough, isn't it? Does that rest well with your spirit? Only when we understand what I am God means. Pre-existing, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere, all at the same time. He who he he is who he is. And the other kind of uh, thing that we pick up strongly in the Old Testament, and we'll get there with a bit more explanation as we unfold, that we see again in the New Testament is his right. You want a basis for what is righteous? God is the only one. He's right or he is righteous, right in his own eyes, 
So for us, our basis for righteousness is that which is right in God's eyes. True? How cool. (laughs) Again, I want to keep it simple for me because I'm not too bright. So I just take it on board. And that helps me keep my faith simple. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And the Bible has a word for those who do not believe in Psalm 14 and verse 1. Let me give you this one. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And then Romans 1 and 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Does that point to Genesis or not? The Bible is clear. We don't have excuse. God has revealed himself and he's revealed his purpose for creation. God's plan is known through his only begotten son. God has the intention for relationship with us in the pinnacle of his creation that he sets the animals first on day six. Like, you know, there's creatures, there's, there's harmony on the earth and there's man. And the rest of the Bible points to relationship between God and his creation, but in very clear terms, God and people. And with our biblical worldview and a proper understanding of the scriptures, Jesus makes all the difference. We see that Jesus was in the beginning and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Look at John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word, uh, the UN Galleon, the message, and the word was with God, the message, and the word was God, the message, and he was with God in the beginning, the message. Through him all things were made, the creator, without him nothing that was made has been made. Jesus is the word, Jesus is the message and is God. Don't you love the simplicity of the scripture? Just unfolds it beautifully. It's not complicated. It's just very straight. The second person of the Trinity and revealed in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelled amongst us. In fact, all of creation came into existence by, through, and for Jesus. In Colossians 1 verse 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's a declaration of sovereignty, isn't it? Jesus is the integral part of time itself because Revelation 22 and 13 states, I am the Alpha and the... Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So here's my one point for today. All right, we're up to one point. We're up to the first point. Point one, 
Genesis, this first chapter, all of it and everything that comes after it is about Jesus. That's point one. That's point four million and twenty-two as well. I love the fact that it doesn't matter what our opinion is or our belief. Did you get that? It doesn't matter what our opinion is or our belief, Jesus is Lord. It's not about us. And I can declare that by faith. Now, you may accept that really easily, and I pray you do. There's people that I know that don't accept that. You know what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't change its truth, does it? Doesn't change the truth. We can help them gently, mercifully, kindly, boldly to know the truth because the truth will set them free. But an alternate belief does not change the truth. Go away with that today. And if it is your belief that God is creator and that Jesus is the purpose, wow, you've experienced revelation, haven't you? It's been revealed to you by the power of God, by the power of his spirit. Amen and praise the Lord. Philippians 2 and verse 10. It doesn't matter what people say, there's coming a day when everyone will proclaim Jesus as Lord. What a wonderful day. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I don't believe you can have a proper biblical understanding or worldview without insert purpose equals Jesus. All of scripture points to Jesus. And I'm so excited to announce that the whole of the Bible is equally explicit to reveal God's purpose and intentionality. It's there in creation, but it's there every way through. So we'll go through Genesis. We'll be reminded each week that the story of God points always to Jesus and the gospel. And Jesus tells us, this is in red letter, right? So if you've got a red letter version, this is Jesus talking. This is a quote. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Now, he's speaking to a particular group, but he's making a point boldly across. The study of the Scriptures, you believe they have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about Jesus. That's Jesus' own words. So Genesis gets the relationship story started, and it finds its fulfilment in the revelation of Jesus in the Gospels.